0: Are you in John chapter 4, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm threatening something here. Let me, just, let me just see. John chapter 4, we're going to look at the entire chapter. It's a, uh, it's a story about the woman, uh, 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 the Samaritan woman at the well. And uh, I may can kind of uh, give it a synopsis here, but there's, uh, there's gosh... 54 verses. We don't need to read it all, but could, 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 do you think we could read all down to, all the way down to 39 without y'all falling asleep? In fact, did you know in, in earlier years, in old timey days? How many of, how many of you know? Uh, I don't, I, I never lived in the old timey days, but from what they tell me, in the old timey days, they gave great attention to the reading of the word in church. In fact, I do remember in the Baptist church in the back of the Baptist hymnal, they had responsive reading. The pastor would read a verse and then the congregation would read a verse. And so let me read this story uh, of the woman uh, uh, at the well. And uh, and from that, we're going to learn how to transform our daily routine into divine appointments. How many of you know God has some divine appointments for us? And let me just back, let me just say this. How many of you have ever been in a circumstance or situation where you realize all of a sudden God has orchestrated this moment? It's a divine appointment. If there have been, you know, a 30 second difference in time, well, I'd have missed this and God used me or God spoke to me and you realize that was a divine appointment. Amen. And, and I believe God has divine appointments every day for us, but we've got to learn to how to seize them. And so, uh, we're going to learn that from this story. Uh, John chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. And he needed to go through Samaria. Everyone say that. He needed to go through Samaria. Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat there by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone into the city to buy food. And then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. We talked about that Sunday, about the religious caste system. The Samaritans were on the low caste, and the Jews would have nothing to do. In fact, it shocked her, it surprised her, it, it befuddled her, uh, because Jesus undoubtedly, by his very visage, uh, was, uh, undoubtedly a Jew, and she said, uh, and even maybe by, I don't know if they had accent, I don't know, but she knew, with just his words and seeing him, that he was a Jew, and she said, uh, uh, She said, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink for me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, and he didn't really answer the question. I love how Jesus does this. If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with. She's not quite there yet. And the well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well? And she's being a little sarcastic and attacking a little bit there. Uh, and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock. And Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, speaking of the, the Jacob's well. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may I will not thirst nor come here to draw. How many of you know, hey, from Mexico, people who don't have access to fresh water, every day they have to find water. And that's the lifestyle of, of, of people in Jesus' day. Every day you had to find water. So this well was a precious commodity And she thought, man, and it was a precious commodity. She thought, man, she's still not getting it. I'd love to have this water you're talking about that I don't have to ever get thirsty and I don't have to come here and draw anymore. It would certainly be easier on me. And Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said to him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands and the one whom you now have is not your husband in that you spoke in that you spoke truly. And the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are, you are a prophet. Uh, He read her mail to her, right? Our fathers worshiped on the mountain, and the Jews say in the Jerusalem uh, is the place where we ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither of this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming. Now catch this, she she even as a Samaritan somehow knew biblically that Messiah was to be coming and and who is called Christ interesting thought she even though let me just tell you did you know there's a lot of people who are messed up still know a lot about the Bible she was messed up but she knew the Bible and just because you know the Bible here doesn't mean you got it here and Jesus said to her uh, oh and then she said and when he comes he will tell us all things now this is funny to me because Jesus already told her a lot (laughs) and she said when he comes he'll tell us all things and she said to her, and Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. And at this point, his disciples came, and they marveled at the, that he talked with a woman, and yet no one said, "Why do you, what, what do you seek, or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot. In other words, she is so miscombobulated by all of this and so undone by meeting the master, she left her water pot, uh, and probably something valuable for daily life, She left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, probably the only ones who would talk to her, come see a man who told me all the things I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. And in the meantime, his disciples urged him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat for which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do not say there are still four months, and then comes the harvest. He's talking to the disciples now. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white unto harvest. And by the way, what was what were they? What, blah, 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 blah. what was he looking for? Or what were they looking at? All the Samaritans, or the Samarians, or the Samaritans coming out from the little town called Sychar uh, to to see this thing that this woman had said. And he, and he goes back in verse 36. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for that which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of the city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. I love that. Did you know people will believe on Jesus because of the word that you testify to? Amen. And then it says, and he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him. And we know that this indeed is the Christ, the savior of the world. I love that story. Let's give the word of God a great big clap offering. Amen. Praise you, the Lord. Woo. The whole, hey, the Samaritan, this, this town of Sychar had a revival because of a divine appointment. Amen. With one little woman. Not one we would call an acceptable woman by some standards. But Jesus walked into... A divine appointment with this woman, and I believe we can learn some things. And I, I just have some thoughts tonight. I want to show you, and they kind of overlap a little. But here is what I want to happen tonight: not that you catch all that I say, but that something on the inside of you tonight, would, would be, would begin to hunger for a divine appointment to be made manifest in your life—not just for your sake, but for the sake of the city, for the sake of the lost, for the sake of those who have not heard Christ. Or, or have experienced His saving grace in their life. So let me just give you some thoughts tonight. Are you ready? Look around your neighbors. Are you ready to go tonight? Let me give you some thoughts that I'm gleaning from this this story of this woman and her miraculous transformation and her conversion in this city revival. The first one is this. Uh, to Transform your daily routine into a divine appointment. Number one, I'm going to say it this way and I'll explain it. Don't let daily routine define you. We get in a routine in life. In fact, this woman was in the routine of life. She was not expecting a divine appointment. But she walked into the middle one, in the middle of one, because Jesus refused to let daily routine define him. Now, let me just kind of read between the lines a little bit. Jesus undoubtedly was wearied and tired, okay? And and when you get weary and tired, what do you do? You rest, you click out, you veg out, you do whatever. He sat down by the well, just, "Whoo, I'm wore out. How many of you, anybody here have a recliner? I have two, but they're in storage now. We were at the lake house this weekend. I got to get in the recliner. I went, oh. I just met my place of... of of recline. It's my place of relaxation. It's my place where I kind of disconnect from things, but it's also the place where I connect with the word of God early in the morning, so on and so forth. But we get in a routine and Jesus was wearied from his journey. We get in the routine. What do we do? We need to go to bed. We need to rest. We need a drink. We just need to, and we start zoning out. Am I telling you all the truth? Is this the way it happens a lot? You start zoning out because of the daily routine of life. And you think, okay, I gotta wind down. You know, Jesus never did wind down. Did you know that? He would he would get home if there was such a thing. The Bible says he didn't have a place to lay his head. He would come in late at night, and the disciples would be woe out. And they would just crash. But Jesus would go pray. And in the morning, when they'd get up, where's Jesus? He's off praying. He never got into a daily rut and a daily routine. Though he was weary. From his journey. He didn't let his daily routine define him and guide him and lead him. He stayed sensitive to the circumstances and the situations around him. In fact, if you look in verse 10, it says this. He said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. I'm telling you, he's right there. He's not disengaged. He he undoubtedly was thirsty. He engaged the conversation. He said, give give me a drink. Uh, And uh, it surprised her. I think Jesus knew that it would surprise her because he knew the scenario between the Samaritans and the Jews. Uh, But he engaged her. He didn't let the daily routine of life define him. We get in the daily routine of life and we can get to bed every night and we can lay our little head down and not remember much at all of what we did that day. Jesus never got into that mindset. He was always about The business of a divine appointment. In fact, what did he say over in a, uh, he he said, and I'll look at it again. He says, my meat is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. He never disengaged from that and moved to a daily routine in life. Now there is, I'm not talking about the fact that we don't have a daily routine. We all have to have a daily routine, but we can't let their routine define us and that become who we are. Where we're ho-hum, the tune is dumb. And the words don't mean a thing. And we just go through life. Jesus never did that. And if you want to transform your daily routine into a divine appointment, you've got to start thinking differently about your day. And realize that God has a divine appointment. And and here's another thing. We need to know who we are in Christ. That we are ambassadors for Christ. You see when he engaged this woman in the convo and she kind of uh, put him in you know hey why are you talking to me and he he engaged her with the with the word of god and with the destiny and future and and hope and 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 uh, you know living water uh uh he knew who he was he in fact he reve- finally revealed it. I'm he I'm the savior now Jesus knew who he was and so let's transform that into our world we need to know who we are in Christ every day we get up we're not just you know uh you know Joe Blow who works at the chemical plant or at the donut shop or wherever you go hey we are ambassadors for Christ are you with me yes. amen does, so does that make sense to you amen number 2 when we engage people in life we can't don't let differences divide you now These two were different. Jesus and this woman were totally different on every every side. And as I mentioned, the the Jews and the Samaritans had no dealings with one another. It was the religious culture of the day, as we talked about Sunday. That uh, you know, that's why that's why the 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 religious people, when they would see Jesus talking to sinners, they he's talking to sinners, he's talking to tax collectors. Oh m g, they didn't say that back then, but uh, they're just God. What are you doing? You. This is not, hey, let me tell you something about us. We're called to minister to those who are different than us. In fact, as a Christian, for every lost we are different. It's the difference between night and day. But the tendency is, oh, that's the darkness. Oh, that's the, oh, those are the Samaritans. Better be careful of those people. And we tend to let our differences divide us religiously, racially, in all kinds of ways. And we look at people and we go, oh, maybe I should. You know, Jesus, in fact, the disciples were befuddled that he was talking to her. They probably knew what kind of woman she was. But Jesus, and hey, we can't let differences divide us. In fact, did you know the Bible says about Jesus, it says in John 1, he came to his own and his own received him not. We tend to think, I'm called to my family, friends, and neighbors. Who, who, Hey, let me just tell you, yes, you're called to your family, friends, and neighbors, but we're called to people who are different than us. They look different than us. They smell different than us. They act different than us. And when we see lost humanity at its worst, we just got to say they can't help it. They're lost. And they need Jesus in their life. Jesus walked right past that. He, he didn't even see that, the differences. Uh, and, and what we do see about Jesus, he says it in a number of places. In fact, he says in verse 44 in this same chapter, Jesus or, or John says of him, Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. When he gets around his own family, they don't... In fact, did you know... uh, uh uh, I can't put my finger on it, but did you know Jesus' family actually kind of had a, tried to have an intervention with him? <laughs> they, before they really understood who he was, they tried to kind of have an intervention. I'll have to go back and find that. I think that's interesting. They just, oh, you be careful. They, they, they were nervous about him. They didn't understand who he was. Later, James' half brother realized, whoo and 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 John the revel they all got it okay uh but uh, uh Jesus was without honor in his own country and so that that tells me the you know what the the greatest harvest field is not everybody uh, in our life it might be people that are different than us I think of David and Jennifer Hatley. there there is they're just uh good old uh american white folks God called them to Africa And now they they're more African than they are American. In fact, we I've joked with him before. He said people talk to me about that. He said he said he he uses this line uh, to them when they when they say, "Man, you're just like the Africans." He he'll say, "Yeah, some of my some of my best friends are white." (laughs) I mean, it's just awesome. Uh, and And they are making a huge difference all over the continent of africa uh and and so we just need to open our eyes to the world around us uh and open our our eyes to the people that are different in us. How many of you know you see these circles right here our Sunday circles? Did you know by and large when circles people kind of flock to the people who who they're a lot, they're like or they you know it's you know we call them uh you know the little Kind of homogeneous groups where they naturally flock together, and that's not a problem with that. You don't want to be clickish, but hey, our biggest influence, I believe, could be with people that we would have never dreamed we would have been able we'd be talking to and influence and impact in their life. And so don't let differences divide you. Open up your eyes to the harvest field. In fact, think about think about uh the disciples. They're saying she's he's talking to her. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, and, uh, and then they're, they're getting concerned about that. And then uh, she's a Samaritan, and Jesus says, hey, guys, look up. Here's a whole town full coming our way. <laughs> I love it. Amen. Don't let differences divide you. Number three, don't let indecision delay you. When it comes to a divine appointment, many times the window of opportunity is very small. And this woman with her pot, I don't know how deep the well was, but I'm sure she'd got it down to a fine art of how she could fill her pot in a hurry and get back to the house before the sun went down. A small window of opportunity. And that's why you find Jesus a little boldly, uh, not, not even according to the way it reads here. Now, in the, in the in the Greek, it may read a little nicer, but he didn't ask. He said, give me a drink. It was like, I'm going to engage this woman. He was bold with his request. And, he, he, and there was no indecision on his part. I told you a story. I, I, I can't remember where I was. I've tried to dry, wipe it out of my mind. But, but I get in certain places and, and I sense God want me to say stuff to strangers. And I think, that's so stupid. I shouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. I'm better, I'm, I'm going to show my, and then, then I'm, I'm getting better at it. Uh, but I, but at one point I just knew I had missed it and that door closed. And I just want to say to you, if you want to transform your daily routine into divine appointments, don't let indecision delay you. Especially when these when the window of opportunity is so small. You sense something, you feel something, just just knock on the door, walk up. And, and there are times when I thought of maybe this is an opportunity. I've knocked on the door a little, loud, in inroad, inroad, and nothing great, you know, transpired. But there are times when I knock on the door and, and when I slip, I don't let indecision delay me. And, and divine appointments are made manifest. Don't let indecision delay you. Number four, don't let ignorance excuse you. How many of you know ignorance is no excuse? Now, ignorance is just simply a lack of knowledge. And and the word ignorance in the the Greek here is, it's a lack of knowledge because you've ignored something. You've ignored things and therefore you have no knowledge of something. Uh, And so, uh, Jesus uh, jumped into the middle of her world uh, with with the knowledge of God in his life. And uh, uh, and so, he had something to say. Okay, now, here's the reality. Divine appointments will be undermined and short-circuited if we don't know what to say and how to say it. And, and we don't know the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is what we've said here before many times. You know, this is who we need to be. We need to be people who know the way, who go the way, and who can show the way. And so, your divine appointments are going to be pathetic if you don't know the way. And how many times have you been in the middle of something and somebody says some little something and you're, you're in the middle of a divine appointment and you just, God, I don't know what to say, I don't know what... Listen, ignorance is no excuse. When you get to heaven, when we get to heaven and we answer to God for every little divine appointment missed, we, we, it's not going to wash. Well, I just didn't know. Okay. And so, uh, ignorance is no excuse. In fact, uh, he told the Corinthians in a number of places uh, uh, about don't be ignorant. He said, he said, uh, don't be ignorant of Satan's devices. And then 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, concerning spiritual gifts, don't be ignorant of spiritual gifts. Now, that, 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 dovetails into this right here don't be ignorant of the fact that the holy spirit wants to move through you to the sake of others and don't be ignorant of this opportunity that is standing before you don't be ignorant of the power of the gospel of jesus christ paul said it's the power of god and salvation to the jew first and also to the greek meaning the samaritans and everybody else and so the power of the gospel ignorance is no excuse so when we walk through life We've got to be ready and prepared. And we'll talk about that. But don't let ignorance excuse you. you. It really is no excuse. Number five, if you're going to transform your daily routine into divine appointments, uh, not only don't let ignorance excuse you uh, and, 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 and don't, in fact, that's what Jesus was saying in verse 13 and 14. He said, whoever drinks of that well is going to thirst again. But if you drink of this well, hey, you'll never thirst again. And what was he doing? He was shining the light on God's will and word for her heart and life and the truth that would set her free. And here's number five. Uh, If you're going to transform daily routine into a divine appointment, don't let the discussion discourage you. Now, when you start talking to lost people, it can be discouraging. Because let me tell you something about lost people, some of which are inspired by the enemy. They know just what to say to try to discourage you. And I think, even though I'm kind of reading between the lines, uh, when uh when Jesus began to interact with her uh it, and, and he told her that uh he would give her living water, uh, she she said, Are you greater than our father Jacob? She's getting a little irritated, and, and the convo was turning. In my opinion, from the way I read it, the convo was turning south in a hurry uh, and Jesus didn't even respond to it. He just kept at it. Whoever drinks of that water is going to thirst again, but whoever drinks of this water will never thirst. So he didn't respond to the convo. Let me tell you something. It's hard to have a convo if you try to respond to everything the lost world tries to throw at you and they will throw things at you. And don't let the discussion discourage you. In fact, here's, here's a little, here's a, I don't know. It's a little side trick. In fact, uh, uh you remember god's not dead and you remember uh, you know uh, the author of the book uh rice brooks i got to meet him a little bit and he's big he's a big campus uh uh he's a pastor in and Na- somewhere close to nashville but uh, great guy uh and uh he has uh ways and means of leading people to christ on college campuses and and his, his, his one of his methodologies when they start throwing this convo at you he says that's a great point we'll come back to that in a moment he just doesn't let it distract him. It doesn't let it discourage him. He's prepared for it. And he never comes back to it. Did you know Jesus didn't answer a lot of people's questions? In fact, he didn't answer her questions. He said, what? she said, uh, what are you dealing with me? Jews have no dealing with Samaritan. He didn't even answer that. He didn't even address that question. Are you with me? Don't let the discussion discourage you. Hey, that's a good point. I'll get back to it in a little bit. And don't ever, you don't have to come back to it. Really, especially in these momentary divine appointments where you got 10 minutes, five minutes, you know, a few minutes with a coworker at lunch or whatever. Uh, Don't let the discussion discourage you. Stay on point with who you are and what you're doing. Okay, are you with me? Number six, don't let religion derail you. Cause let me tell you something most everybody in america who's lost has some religious bone to pick did you know that they all have a they all have a negative story they all got us well i'll tell you one thing and buddy they all want to tell you about how terrible those christian people were to there and how bad that church was down the road and they they bubble it all up and and uh and this woman didn't do that, but she, once she realizes she's losing the battle with the, with the little debate of, of, uh, and so, uh, uh, with, a, you know, she's just not making any headwind, headway. He's just hammering her with the truth in a very good way. And then he says, go call your husband, man. Things are getting tight there. Uh, and, uh, once she realizes he was a prophet, then she starts talking religion. Our, our fathers say we worship in this mountain. Your father say we worship in that mountain. And oh, let's talk religion. Let me tell you something. Religion will not get you to heaven. And that's what she... She, heaven was very religious. She knew all about Messiah coming. But she didn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so, don't let religion and religious talk derail you. In fact, you'll, you'll, a lot of people you talk to, they'll say they're a Christian. But it's not real It's a religious belief system But no relationship with Jesus Christ So Just some thoughts That I had In looking at Jesus' interaction With this woman here So therefore Let me say it in a different way Therefore We must learn to do some things Because of this These, these issues We've got to learn to do some things Number one We must learn to live every day With a sense of divine mandate Now Look in verse 4. I ask you to repeat it. Look in verse 4. He needed to go through Samaria. Now, that's why Jesus did not disengage from this woman uh, 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 verbally uh, and, and his interaction with her. Something on the inside of Jesus said, I've got to go through Samaria. Samaria. I've got, I feel a divine mandate on my life. I must needs. There's something in me that just has to go there. I feel an unction in my gumption. Uh, and so I've got to go. And listen, that that tells me that we need to live with a sense of divine mandate in our life. Realizing, whoo, in fact, it's revealed, already quoted to you, verse 34. He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. He lived with a sense of divine mandate. And if we're going to transform our daily routine into divine appointments, we've got to begin to embrace that reality in our life. Amen. And the Great Commission is our divine mandate. Go into all the world. Make disciples of all nations. Matthew 8. Matthew 28, 18 and 19. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That is the divine mandate on our life. And following the lifestyle of Christ, we need to live every day with a sense of divine mandate. And that's a challenge, my friend. It's a challenge. We've got to If we want to make our biggest difference, we've got to begin to embrace that in our life and and follow the model of Jesus. I mean, he'd get up early and get in tune with the Word of God and the will of God for his life, and then he would take off. Then he'd come home and process it all at the place of prayer. Okay? Number two. Not only must we learn to live every day with a sense of divine mandate, we must learn to look and listen every day for doors of opportunity, open doors of opportunity. We've got to keep our spiritual senses open. We've got to look and listen. Everybody say, look and listen. Look and listen every day. You know, there are times uh, when I'm going through life and I'm just interacting, whether it's, you know, you just say, how are you doing today? And you know, a lot of people are going to tell you exactly how they're doing that day. And did you know the needs of humanity are some of the greatest inroads to the hearts of men and women? This woman had great needs in her life. She was relationally damaged. She had daddy issues. She had all kinds of issues. She had, she had all kinds of issues. But all of a sudden... The Lord of glory came walking into her life. And the reason uh, she was able to respond to him because Jesus was sensitive to her need. He must need go through Samaria. And so you listen to people and you look for opportunities. Keep your head up. Here's, here's, here's a little practice When you go to the restaurant, when you go to work, wherever you go and you're interacting with people and you're around people, pause and begin to look around. And just look at people and realize, man, God loves every one of them. Some of these people probably Christians, some are lost. You never know what God might speak to you if you just listen. And open, look and listen. That's why Jesus had to tell... These disciples are—they're getting all frothed up. Oh no! What's he doing? What are we? You know, he's—he's he's not eating. He, maybe he's delusional. Maybe he's—you know—having a—you know—we don't know. And he just says, "Look, here comes the harvest. These are the harvests. Look, they're white." Look and listen every day for an open door of opportunity. Amen. In fact, it was the sixth hour of the day. Now. It's amazing how theologians can come up with two or three different thoughts about such simple things. And, and, and some say it's a different hour. But uh, most people believe it's the sixth hour of the day, meaning somewhere around six o'clock in the evening time, basically. When women come and get water for the next day. Though I'm reading between the lines here somewhat Jesus knew that was the habit of life for people, and he placed himself strategically there, not just because he needed a drink. I'm sure he did. He was weary from his journey, but he also knew, okay, that this is a place of opportunity where people will come and I'll have an opportunity to engage them so look and listen every day for an open door of opportunity. You probably have them all around you. You just get by them every day and, and miss them because it's the daily routine of life. Uh, but I want to encourage you to, we got to learn to look and listen every day for doors of opportunity to be open in front of you. Number three, we must learn to let the Holy Spirit speak through us every day. Not just to us, but through us. And boy, Jesus became the prophet. And when he knew the timing was right, he, he, uh, he moved beyond the peripheral discussion. He moved beyond and he got right down into her business with the word of the Lord and said, ask her a question. Bring your husband here. Now that was a good thing to say just from a, a standpoint of the fact that, uh, hey, uh, you know, if we're going to talk here, it'd be good to have your husband. How many of you know, I don't counsel women by myself. Okay. I, that's a good, I think Jesus was being just right and ethical there. He, he realized, oh, you know what, as this progresses, you know, go bring your husband. But no, he was way beyond that even. And he knew her heart because he knew who she was. Uh, and he said, she said, well, I have no husbands. And she said, well, uh, you have well said, I have no husband, for you have five, you've had five husbands. And the one whom you now have is not your husband. In other words, you've just been going from one man to the other. And she said, Sir, I perceive thou art a prophet. <laughs> and that's, hey, listen, that's where he set the hook in her heart. When he got the word of the Lord over her life and he spoke it to her. And she dashed back and said to all the people, all the men, come sh- come, see a man who's told me all the things I've ever done. He read my mail. This is the Christ. Could it be the Christ? You come see. And they came. And the city experienced a revival. So let the Holy Spirit speak through you every day. Experiment with people. I, I, in a good way. You listen and you you you... You can, hey, people in a re, in the restaurant, I've actually walked up the, I don't do this a lot. I've walked up people, pardon me, this may be odd to you. And if it is, you just excuse me. But I'm a Christian, and could I pray with you? And, and you just can't, you just never know what might open doors. Okay, listen and hear and respond. And let the Holy Spirit speak to you. So therefore, let me say it another way. Here we go. So therefore, uh, with all that in mind, everyone say be ready. We got to be ready. Everybody say be ready. Look at your neighbor and say you got to be ready. 1 Peter 3.15 says be ready to give a reason be instant in season and out of season and be ready to give a reason for the hope that is within you with meekness and fear. You've got to be ready to share what Christ has done for you at the drop of a hat. You've got to be ready. And let me just give you a threefold thought. You've got to be prepared with prayer. You've got to be prayed up daily. If you're going to, if God's going to speak to you and through you and you're going to share the gospel, you've got to be prayed up. In fact, Acts chapter 4, when the persecution hit the first century church? What's the first thing they did? They went to the place of prayer because the persecution said, do not speak anymore in the name of the Lord Jesus. Hush your mouth. Don't witness for Christ. Don't share the gospel. Don't rock this religious apple cart uh, and threaten them with their life. And they went to the place of prayer. And they said, Lord, grant that your bondservants with all boldness might proclaim your word. In other words, uh, you. in fact they said this, you do what you do and we'll do what you want us to do. You keep doing your miracle, miraculous ministry. We'll keep doing what you want us to do. And the Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. They were prepared at the place of prayer for every day. I love what Paul said to the Ephesian church after he shared with them about the armor of God. How many of you put on the armor of God? You know, you, you and he said. You know, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual forces of wickedness in every places. And he talked about the armor of God. And then he says, pray for me that I may proclaim God's word with all boldness. And so that's got to become a part of our prayer life as we as we prep our day, prep ourselves for our day. We prepare ourselves at prayer and say, God, give me an open door and and an opportunity to share your word and give me boldness to proclaim it. Amen? Be prepared with prayer. Be prepared with that sense of purpose and recognize that you, you are an ambassador for Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 says we're ambassadors for Christ and therefore we ought, to, we, we ought to be as those who be. we say, we beseech you in the name of the Lord, be reconciled to God. That's our primary purpose in life. Remember what makes heaven happy? People getting saved. And we've got to be ready to lead people to Christ. And we've got to be prepared at the place of prayer. And prepared at the place of God's purpose in our life. And number three, prepared with the precepts of God's word. In fact, Paul told Timothy, I think it's 2 Timothy 2, he said, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a worker, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, handling accurately the word of truth. You've got to have the word of God abiding on the inside of you and be ready with God's word where it comes forth. And it becomes living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Amen. Whoo! The gospel of Christ. You've got to have that gospel. Amen everyone say be ready. Number two, as I've hammered to you already in different ways, be sensitive. Isaiah 30 verse 21, let me just turn over there and read it to you. Isaiah 30, I love, you know, some people call Isaiah the gospel of Isaiah because it kind of reads like the, like the gospels, but uh, it, this is really cool. Isaiah 30 verse 21, Isaiah says this, he says, your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left hand, your ears will hear a word saying behind you, this is the way, walk in it. We've got to be sensitive to the Spirit's direction in our life. I have a friend by the name of Keith Green, not the singer Keith Green who's in heaven, uh, but uh, Keith Green, and he told this story on facebook here a while back he and he's he's a he this guy is the epitome of sensitive to the spirit he will walk up to a stranger and 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 he's had more god i mean he tells god uh stories and divine appointment stories he said he was in 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 some rush hour traffic here a while back uh and and uh, it was un, wasn't up on a highway but on a side road but there's like three three uh, uh uh lanes and they're all just coming and going and he's driving along he looks over and he sees this woman and the spirit of god says to him you need to give her twenty dollars and he's and she's in another lane and he's going "No, no, no. and but boy he's only you need to give her twenty dollars and so he could see he said well okay how do i do this and He's nervous, and so finally, he, I got to get behind her, and he sees she's about to, so he, he, squeezes and gets behind her, and, and she exits off in a little bit, and, and he's following her along, and he's going, oh, God, I'm, I'm stalking this woman, and, and I don't know what to do, and so he, and she finally pulls into an apartment complex, and so he backs way away, so as to not spook her, uh, and she's getting out, and I think she's getting a child out. Of of uh, of the car. And he pulls up and he parks a good ways away. And he gets pretty close. He gets out, walks to her. But he doesn't get too close. He says, ma'am, I don't want to spook you or bother you. But I saw you on the freeway a while ago. And I'm a Christian. And God's and he had his $20. And he was re- giving. God spoke to me and said, you need $20. And he did that. He said immediately she burst into tears. Immediately. And he, she said, I was on the highway and I asked God if I could just have $20 for milk for my babies and diapers for my babies. I just needed $20. And he said, well, here's your $20. And he walked, he headed to walk. She said to her, what's your name? He said, oh, I'm just a friend. He walked off and he went, whoo, that, that turned off good. But listen, What a story. Because he was sensitive and he followed through with what he heard the Lord say to him. Now, here's the big thing about that simple story. It's not the $20. It's the fact that that God showed this woman that He hears her in her darkest time. I love it. Amen. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And then number two, be sensitive to others. Others' needs. And, and, and listen, we get so self-absorbed, we forget the needs of others. Let me tell you something. It's, as I said earlier, it's the biggest inroad to people's heart. In fact, man, I've been in, in situations with strangers. How are you doing today? Oh, man, it's just not good today. What's, what's wrong? Oh, and they'll just blurt it out. And I said, "And I've told people in the past well, you're brave enough to share it. Can, can I pray with you?" Yes, you can. I mean, it's just my goodness, there needs open doors of opportunity. Be sensitive. Be ready, be sensitive. And number three, be bold. Everyone say, "Be bold. Not brassy. Just bold. I've met some brassy Christians. Whoo! They just brassy. But be bold, be confident. And, and you see that in the life of Christ with this woman. He's bold with her. He's not intimidated by the, her, her Samaritan uh, uh, issue. He's not intimidated by the fact that undoubtedly she had some moral issues. Uh, he was bold to step right into her world and to speak the Word of God confidently and, and truthfully to her. And that's the Acts 4, verse 31 is the Scripture I, I shared with you about the disciples. They said, grant that thy bondservants with all boldness might proclaim your Word. In fact, I'm going to read uh, Philippians 1, what Paul said uh, to the Philippians. Here in Philippians, what is it, one fourteen. uh He said this, And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. That's what we've got to be. We've got to be much more bold to speak the word without fear. Let's say it. We've got to be much more bold to speak the word without fear. Be bold. Amen. Amen. So, listen, here's what I believe. Divine opportunities abound in the midst of our daily lives. Divine opportunities abound in the midst of our daily lives. I read an article, uh, or I read a book called uh, Contagious Christianity by Bill Hybels, pastors, uh, I forget the name of the church, somebody can help me. Uh long story short, he realized a lot of most all his friends were Christians, and so he loved sailing and he and he joined a, a yacht club uh of guys, none of who were Christians, none of who went to his church, and none of who knew he wa- who he was. Uh and so uh, it was for the purpose of of engaging lost humanity and creating divine opportunities in the middle of his life. He realized I'm just hanging around Christians, it's going to be hard for divine opportunities to lost people. And so, so uh, anyway, that that if that shoe fits, you can wear it. Um, but what I want us to do tonight is let's pray that this week, not someday in the sweet by and by, but let's pray this week God will begin to give us divine opportunities and that we'd walk through the door that we would learn how to do this you can do this look at your neighbor say you can do this as Christians we got to be like Jesus. we can do this amen and how many of you you'll really work it and and then next week somebody remind me to to, hey let's, let's share some of our divine appointments okay you want to do that Let's put it to the test. Here we go. Let's stand up together. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, number one, we want to thank you for the divine appointment we had Sunday with so many new guests. Lord, I consider that a divine appointment. When they're just walking through the doors to check us out, I believe you brought them here and Lord, I thank you for those divine appointments and opportunities to interact with those believers. But God, beyond that, Lord, there are lost people in the world. There are hurting people. There are Samaritans in the world. There are outcasts in the world. There's morally uh, flawed people. There's mentally flawed people. There's emotionally flawed people. Lord, there's, there's uh, as we looked at the parables, Lord, there's lost people. There's lost sons, Lord, who have rebelled against you. And Lord, we pray you would use us in the middle of their world. You would create a divine opportunity, and not just one, but many, Lord, this week for us to be able to walk through, to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, to be bold in our, in our witness for Christ, and to be ready at the place of prayer and expectant, Lord God, for a supernatural engagement in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. I want to close with one quick story. Can I do one quick story? It's only 810. How many of you know this story ended bigger than one little woman in a well, at the well? A whole city came to Christ. I was in the funeral of a friend of mine's mother. Uh, we were at a missions conference and she, was, she died during the missions conference and all the, all the attendees went to the missions conference and the story was told. I can't even remember this, this language, but I'm going to tell this quickly. Uh, uh, she was had some dementia, but uh, she would in her prayer time she would come and, and she 'd pray real strong well um, her husband was born again when he was fifteen years ago, old, walking down a street and this little storefront church from this uh, a foreign country were singing a hymn, Ye the pearly gates will open in the language that he of the country he came from." So it intrigued him. Uh, And so he hears this hymn in the... uh, Ye the pearly gates will open. In the language from the country he came from, intrigued him, he walked in, he got saved at 15. This was back years and years ago. This man is dead. But since this man, uh, uh, this one little guy, okay, churches and missions work were birthed all over the world because of this ye the pearly gates will open song, okay? Uh, And so... I just thought that was great in and of itself. But uh, here's the little, and I, I witnessed this for myself, the latter end of this story. This little wife now, she's in a nursing home, assisted living. She's got dementia. She can't communicate. And the guy from the nursing home comes by. He, don't, he does not know this story. He visits with her. And uh, he says, could I sing you a song? And she said, you know, and so so he starts singing her a song, in this language, and I can't remember what it was, that her husband was born again under. He sang it in that language, ye the pearly gates will open. OMG, I couldn't believe it. And so at her funeral, this guy who did that with her, he sang that at her funeral. And I'm telling you, I just thought, because two little ladies were in a storefront, singing a little song. A divine appointment happened and this man was, young boy was born again and the, his, and the legacy of his life lives on today and I'm telling you about him here in Beaumont, Texas. That's divine appointments. That's the power of divine appointment. You never know who you're talking to. God bless you. I love you. We'll see you Sunday. It's a great day. Go out and have a divine appointment. Amen.